What is up? Welcome back to Stacking Slabs. This is your hobby content alternative. Yes, it is. I'm your host, Brett McGrath, and we're almost at the weekend. And you know what we like to do over here? We like to bring collector conversations to the forefront, and that's what we're doing today. I've got my man, Danny, Modest Card Collection, on the program. He collects a lot of different things, is in a lot of different lanes. You look at his page, the umbrella over the top of most of it all is the city of New York. We are going to talk about New York collecting the scene, what inspires, what influences him. He's got some really cool cards. You're going to love this conversation. And if you like what I'm doing, follow, subscribe, all the freaking buttons. But most importantly, tell a damn friend that you're enjoying the Stacking Slabs podcast. Without further ado, let's kick it to the conversation. What is up? Welcome back. Excited for this conversation. I, I think I said it at the uh, up front, but I have so many conversations with collectors in the hobby, and then eventually all these conversations compound over time, and I finally get to the point where I'm like, let's have you on the show. You've got a pretty cool collection. And I think we've got a lot to talk about. And that's what we'll be doing with today's guest. So I'm joined by Danny. You probably know him on through the Instagram community at Modest Card Collection. We're going to be talking about New York collecting, PMGs, a bunch of other stuff, but this should be fun. But without further ado, Danny, welcome, man. How are you? Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. I'm doing very well. And uh, thanks for having me on your show. Uh, I love the Friday shows. I get a little get motivated by hearing about other collectors and uh, find vindication in what I'm doing. So it's really nice to be in that seat today. Yeah. I, I guess just on that uh, topic, I, no one ever really talks about that up front, but I'm just curious, like as a listener on the other side, listening to, I bring people on because I am trying to learn something from them based on what I've seen in their collection. And I always leave those conversations with something. And then I think guests do too, but I don't know. Is there, is there anything in particular that stands out to you outside of just like you and I have chatted many times one-to-one through Instagram, but just like listening to someone talk about what they're collecting, how they're collecting, like what, why did, I guess, why does that resonate with you so much? You know, I think part of it is like, you know, it, this is a hobby, you know, but we approach it. So like it, we're, we're very, you know, use tactics to kind of get what we like. And, you know, there's the process of like what to collect and all that stuff. And, you know, for me, it's just like a affirmation. It's like a very powerful thing in this hobby. So, you know, especially when I started, it was, you know, the hobby was in a pandemic phase where it was like money, 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 you know? Mm. And, uh, you know, finally when I got on Instagram is when I was like, oh my gosh, like there's a reason I'm more attached to this $15 Charles Oakley card than like any sort of like $250, like optic blue velocity flavor of the week rookie. You know, so, you know, hearing collectors go through all that process and stuff, I feel very much like, uh, you know, I'm doing it right, you know, and uh, and that I'm enjoying it. And there's a process to it that I appreciate. So much of when I view your page, so much of what I see is uh, New York and there being an influence, that being an influence in your collection. So maybe you just like brief the audience so they understand like, the impact New York has on your overall collecting yeah, journey. Right. And then just maybe a little bit of a background on currently where you're at and how yeah, all, totally. all, all your sports fandom influences what you buy. Yeah. So I'm, I'm i uh, I'm a father here in Brooklyn. So we live in Brooklyn, New York. I'm trying to raise my kids here and stuff. So um, I've always been in the New York city area. You know, I grew up my formative years in Northern Jersey in a suburb of New York city. So, you know, very much influenced by uh, it's like, I would describe it as like, my collection is like WFAN centric, which are like, you, you know, the history of sports radio, it's like the first sports radio network in the country. So, you know, there's 
all those voices of like, you know, these guys with thick New York accents, like yelling about like Danny Cannell and Jason Seahorn was wrong, you know, complaining about it and all that stuff. So, you know, that theme kind of runs through it. And, you know, just in terms of like getting into collecting, you know, I, it's a lot through my, the teams I loved as growing up and the teams I loved growing up were centered through my relationship with my dad, who was like a Knicks fan and a big Yankee fan and oddly a Cleveland Brown fan. And so, um, you know, those are the teams that I kind of grew up rooting for. And, you know, at a young age, my father passed away when I was 13 uh, in 1996. So, you know, when I found the box of cards that uh, from my childhood that kind of propelled me back into collecting, you know, it was like, I was just like, oh, my gosh, you know, he financed all these things, you know, like he he treated me to like these cards and these great moments from when I was a, a child, I remembered. And, and so much of those cards that were penny sleeve were either you were good in Tecmo Super Bowl or you were a Nick. Uh, Ranger, Giant, <laughs> Yankee, you know, not too many Mets, but uh, so that's kind of like was the, the the springboard into, into collecting and, and kind of theme I run through. But it's also funny because I was like penny sleeving these players of significance I personally liked. And it's just like cyclical how, you know, 30 years later, I'm still treating the player PCs, you know, the way I would treat <laughs> like them when I was nine years old. Right. Still have like a special Zion case for like, you know. Eli Manning or Warren Moon or Charles Oakley or Bernie Williams. So still trying to collect in that same tone. I, I've got to just ask you uh, regarding the Knicks of it all. Um, so I was growing up, I was sitting on the other side of the the Pacers-Knicks rivalry. And I, it hasn't been brought up on this podcast in a while, but I think anyone who's a Pacers or anyone who's a Knicks fan, like th- there was something very, very special about you know, the Starks and the Reggie and the Oakley and the Smiths and the the Davises. And it just, I don't know, like to me, and maybe this is me just sounding old, but to me, they don't make sports rivalries like they do anymore because that one, the teams hated each other. Um, Each team had their moments in that rivalry, but maybe like share some perspective on kind of like that rivalry and what it meant to you. It meant the world to me. I mean, it was honestly like the first times I realized life wasn't fair, you know, and like I still hate the Pacers. And I'm going to say a very <laughs> unpopular hobby thing here. I hate Michael Jordan. I hate him. <laughs> I still hate him. I don't forgive him. He's not a nice guy in general. Everyone loves him. Um, but uh, it's like the biggest like sports like like annoyance I have is when I turn on a Knicks game and they're home in their alternative jerseys with a Jumpman logo on the mm-hmm. basketball jersey. Like, can we not? Can we just not? I'm going to be retired number here too. Um, so, you know, those four of years got, got you into the fans. You've got the juices flowing. And, uh, you know, as a Knicks fan, I mean, you know, it's like the past is all you kind of have. You know what I mean? Like from a collector standpoint, you know, there's so many great Knicks collectors out there in the community, but like, I have a tough time like finding any Knicks to collect over the last 20 years. I mean, they, they often remind me of disappointment. You know, it's like, mm. you know, bad contract, a bad trade, giving up on someone too soon. You know, it's hard to figure out, like, if, I can't remember if there's any Nick that's been on the team for more than like three or four years, you know, it, it, they've been so transactional. So, uh, you know, that, that rivalry still, it's still, it still stings that the Knicks couldn't get one. You know, I still kind of grieving through that as well. <laughs> Even when the Knicks come to town still, and I go to the game, all I can think about is just like the animosity of that rivalry and still like if someone says like who's your least favorite team in the nba it it might not be at the very bottom now but the knicks are always close to it and it's not because of anything new it's 
because of those early, early days. Yeah, of course. Right. You know, I feel the same way about the Pacers and the Bulls. I still have a lot of animosity towards that, but you know, that was a different era in sports where the guys like legitimately didn't like each other at all. It seemed like, so it's a, you know, simpler times, I guess. (laughs) Well, maybe you and I can, uh, we can extend an olive branch because I am certainly not a Bulls fan and they might be at the bottom. (laughs) I'll never forget. I went to, I went to school in new England and I was, uh, all my friends are Red Sox fans and I was a Yankee fan. I remember going to a, Yankee stadium game with one of them and things got really heightened. And one of my friends was like, listen, I have something we can all agree on. We all hate the Braves. And we're like, yeah, <laughs> I was like, that was very good. Like uh negotiation tactics there, you know, so <laughs> you, you need it. I want to talk about your, your, your handle because modest card collection, I think is a, a clever name, but then I was checking your bio before we got on and you, you have a once was a modest card collection. I would love to know, like, I'm assuming that's based on maybe the evolution you've taken in the hobby. And now you might be buying bigger cards than you thought you were, you know, a couple of years ago, but share some perspective there. Exactly. I mean, I mentioned it when I got in, but really getting on Instagram uh, with strictly a hobby account was like a very uh, big moment, a seminal moment in terms of collecting. And um, when I signed up for Instagram, it was like, I was basically collecting for a year without communicating with anyone, you know, just using like eBay comps and like all sorts of stuff. So when I got on, you know, I would think I was comparing what was a my modest card collection to like what whales have and like the biggest sales, you know, the biggest transactions. And then, you know, you're getting jammed with a lot of like bad actors on YouTube talking about, you know, sell, you know, buying low and selling high and all that sort of stuff. So I think from that standpoint, when I came in, I was just like, let me just give it a title. That's like, listen, if you're going to follow me, you're not going to see, you know, it's, it's like, you know, at that point I probably had like most expensive card I had was like 150 bucks, 200 bucks, you know? Um, so kind of, you know, as, as I've evolved and grown as a collector and become more comfortable spending money in the hobby, you know, obviously I wanted to put a little caveat on there because, you know, I don't want anyone to look at it and be like, what is this guy delusional or, you know, that sort of thing is because I definitely have some cards that, you know, cost a little more money than I originally thought I would ever spend in the hobby. So. What brought you back in? I always find that interesting. Like what was that? Was it just like pandemic? looking for something to do, you caught wind of sports cards and remembered it. And now all of a sudden you're back. What were the driving forces? Yeah, it really was that, you know, and then that childhood box, like I mentioned before, it was it's just, there's so many memories in there for me. And it's just like, it was such a, like a mixed bag and just, you know, trying to figure out like, you know, I had some more time on my hands with, with the pandemic. I'm a freelancer. Uh, so, you know, like work was a little slow for the first several months. So try kind of going through that box and organizing them. And then you know, I just love sports all the time. It never really made sense to me why I stopped collecting. I guess I don't think any, I had any friends that did it. Still to this day, I have no one in my real life that I know that does it. So I think that's kind of why I just kind of phased out of it. And then, you know, between like my love for like, you know, sports and like, I've always liked like fonts and design and, and like photography, you know, like, so it's like, it really does hit all the sweet spots. And, you know, once it started rolling and really once I got on Instagram and started to find like more collector oriented content, but also just the education you get through Instagram, right? It's like, you know, you flip through your page and you're just constantly seeing like new stuff that you didn't know about or stuff you're learning about and then interacting with people in the community and them, you know, sharing in, uh, knowledge with you. It, it just kind of hits all the sweet spots for me and, and you know, filled a, a whole of time I had in my life where I was just, I don't even really know what I was doing. <laughs> you know, I was like, I was like scrolling through my own personal Instagram and like, you know, looking at people on vacations and brunch, you know, so. 
that's what it is. I've thought about that same thing. It's like now there's less baby pictures and people <laughs> snapping photos at brunch or doing whatever that I don't care about. And I'm just totally replacing right. that with people I don't know about and looking at their collection and commenting. Yeah. And when you see these people in person now, because I'm not on like my personal Instagram as much as, you know, maybe hobby Instagram, it's like actually have things to talk to them about. And like, I kind of like, they're like, oh, I just, this just happened. You're like, it did just happen. Like, I have no idea. <laughs> Spending my time, but you know, like on other things, so it's it's kind of a nice escape. You you mentioned something that I think is important to talk about, where you branded your handle Modest Card Collection because, like, probably what was being shown to you at the time, or what was on YouTube, or you know, through popular accounts, were like these high dollar cards that were unattainable. And I think we all go through that, where it's like, okay, everything everyone's talking about is these like these high five, six figure cards. And it seems like getting back into the hobby, it seems so like distant. It's like, I don't have the money for that. And it's like, is that what I'm supposed to be going after? It's like, that's what, but then I think there's this evolution we all have where it's like, no, that's not what I want to do. And in fact, like, I don't care about that stuff. This is what I care about. Like maybe talk a little bit about like your realization where you were like, all right, the direction I actually want to take is a direction with these players and these teams that I like really care about. And it's the design, it's the font, it's those things that like get me sucked in and get me to stay like what, what, when was it for you in your journey that you, you reached that moment where you are kind of like building out a collection that you're deeply happy about? Yeah, it's a great question. I think that like, for me, just when I kind of like, like took a step back, I'm like, what do I want? To collect like you know what 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 is i what are, what what story do i want to tell when i open up the zion case you know what i mean and i think one of like the first things i decided i wanted to try to do was uh i love basketball for a lot of new collectors it seems to be the entry level thing because it's like the new shiny toy of <laughs> like of the sports right uh it's the million dollar sales it's zion it's luca it's mj who i hate i don't know if i told you that but um uh you know when i opened up the zion case, like what, what do i want to tell here and you know my son was starting to get into a little bit of basketball as well like watching with me um so i was like how about like, you know, I'm, I always love the MVP discussions. I always love the history mm. of the sports. Like in my PC, maybe I should tell a story about like the MVPs of the, the league, you know, and basketball cards is a great place to do it because it kind of starts in 1969. There's no, there's a, only a couple sets that predate it. And so I sought out to card for every MVP season. So in 74, mm. 75, Bob McAdoo was the MVP of the NBA. So I have a 74 tops Bob McAdoo, you know, mm. uh, 1978, 79, Moses Malone. I have a 78 Moses and, and so on and so on and so on. Um, and that was like, kind of like a great way for me to kind of like really start to hone in on what it is I'm collecting. Cause before that I was just grabbing things that look cool or players that I had like a very loose association with, but uh, this gave me the excuse to kind of like collect mm like not just a wide range of years, like vintage into modern, but also like a little bit of players that maybe I wouldn't pick up. Like I have two Steph Curry cards. I would never own two Steph Curry cards unless there was a reason to, to mm. get it. Um, so what I started to fill that out, it was kind of an influence for me to like, wow, this feels really nice. As I like, when I open this out or like I lay out the cards or I flip through them, I kind of have a story here that I'm telling, you know? And uh, so I think that was kind of like the best like way for me to get into it. And it's it also was a set that like, I built out on my rules. Like I mm. came with it, right? Like I was like, I want it to cost this much. I want it to be this way. You know, I've gone backwards to go forward a couple of times. Like I've bought a couple of cars that were a little too high end for me to feeling comfortable and like worrying about the price of them, like each sale. So like I've sold those cards, brought in another card, you know, and that, and the thing with it, it keeps evolving too, which is kind of nice. You know, it's like it's never quite done with the ultra modern players. So you know, I'm always looking to upgrade like a 2010 Derek Rose card or something like that. So there's always something to kind of look for and work with. 
Um, but it's one of those things now I only have a few left. Uh, and they're vintage, all of them that I have left. So I'm just trying to approach it in a way that I feel most comfortable and like is the best way. You know, do I want eye appeal? Do I want one like, you know, high graded card that's more of like an investment type thing? Um, or do I want to just kind of stay on like a nice, easy approach and like PSA five? <laughs> you know I mean? It's like so, um, you know, that, that was really kind of the gateway for me to like really start to focus in on specific things. And then it kind of went into player PCs. I want to, the setting of the rules for yourself, I think is, I love how you called it out. And it's such a, uh, I don't know, when when you start to set rules and you have these like mini collections, like NBA MVPs for you, that you begin to uh, like the decisions you make are decisions that only like you as a collector would make because you're trying to build and navigate this set that is unique to you. I mean, sure, there might be other people doing it, but like in the moment, like, this it's like a journey that you're on to try to fill all these spots. What have you found is the benefits of like starting a project like that? Like something as extensive as MVPs, as opposed to just like waking up and checking eBay and being like, I want to buy something today. Like, let's see what's popping up. The parameters were kind of set there. And, you know, I like it just, when you continuously are picking up the cards that, you know, that, that means something to you, then the mail days are exciting. It's worth it. As opposed to like, when you get like those four, like, little bubble wrappers and you're just like, there's like, what do we need this for? You know what I mean? It's like, going to go and find it. I'm not going to think about it again. Right. But uh, you know, when I get a mail day and it's like one of the things that you cross up a list, it just feels much more rewarding. Right. You know, it's like, it's a part to that, you know? Yeah. And one of the guys I've noticed on your page uh, that stands out is Warren moon. And I think you've got some awesome Warren moon cards. And when I think about Warren moon, I can't help, but just, something about him in my childhood and watching him play like he had a ridiculous career, but also seems to get lost in the shuffle a little bit. I'd love to know, like understand like that collection for you. Like why Warren moon, like why, like what sorts of cards attract you in your Warren moon PC, like anything Warren moon related you want to talk about here? Yeah, of course. I'd love to take that one. Um, So I think that, you know, when I started to hone in on player PCs, as I mentioned before, my dad was a Browns fan. So, and he loved Jim Brown. That was the only association with the Browns. We, we never went to Ohio. I've only been there once. So I had a great time there. Um, but uh, so uh, the Browns obviously leaving in 95 uh, and, you know, coming back as the Ravens. And I remember watching the first Raven game and be like, even at 13, I was like, this doesn't quite feel right. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's how I kind of ended up like on a Giants trajectory, mm-hmm. but I didn't have a player in the late nineties that I really associated with. And when I wanted to play or PC someone, I'm like, I do want someone in this era. Like, I, I just I just don't collect this era. I would love to collect this era. And I started to think about, like, Hall of Fame quarterbacks and stuff. And Warren Moon stuck out because he was someone that, you know, pre-internet, you know, I mentioned Super Tech Mobile. That was, like, my association mm. with the NFL. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I used to love the Oilers in that game. And, you know, when I started to think more about collecting him, you know, he has a quite a powerful backstory. You know, he was someone who was a quite a great quarterback in college. And, and the narrative back then was, you know, a racist thought that, like, a black man can't lead a NFL team or be a quarterback. And essentially he was told uh, you need to switch positions or you're going in the 11th and 12th round of the draft. And he said, screw it. I'm going to the CFL. Uh, went to the CFL for six years, won five gray cups, won two MVPs, smashed every passing record. I think it's, I think it was nine and one in the playoffs in the CFL. Uh, and so when he came to Houston, you know, there was like a bidding war for, you know, his services. And he ended up, uh, you know, Houston obviously won it. And, you know, he ran the modern day offense there. I mean, he, you know, we're going 10 personnel, you know, four wide receivers, one back, you know, one in the back. And, um, you know, he aired it out. You know, he he was the, they were, they identified he was the strength of the team and they put the ball in his hands just like they do now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but it was a different era of the league. So, you know, for me, it was like, 
kind of a no brainer. And then I remember going on card ladder, shout out to card ladder and seeing like his, his highest selling cards. They're always his rookie card. His, his 1985 tops. I don't know if you're familiar with the set, but it's all landscape. It's all black. It looks like a bad movie poster from 1985. <laughs> uh, sorry if you're an 85 fan. I apologize. It's not for me. Um, so, you know, when I started to research further, I was like, a lot of his cards are actually here and they're obtainable. They're in my price. Mm. You know what I mean? So I started kind of snatching up, snatching them up to the point where I, even in, I think, I think in November, there was a, a, a gold label class two, one of one of his just sitting on eBay, PSA, <laughs> eight bucks. How much? 80 bucks. <laughs> Buy it now. 80 bucks. I was like, <laughs> so I'm like, you know, it was kind of like this, this lane I had to my own, you know, mm. and Right now, I can tell you that I, you know, I, I, I don't know any other Warren Moon collectors. I'm sure they're out there. They're just not on Instagram. <laughs> and, you know, the icing on the cake is that he wore two of the most incredible jerseys yes. that the 90s have to offer. You know, it's like that Oilers jersey and then that old Seahawks jersey, which we never see in throwbacks. He looks awesome in every card, right? He's got like just the colors. And, uh, you know, every once in a while, I see like a highlight reel of him throwing. There was something that one Instagram account posted. Of, it was just all 1998, him throwing to Joey Galloway. And I was sitting there just like, I was like, like, this is beautiful. It's like him just like, like winging on his back foot and Joey Galloway, like scorching people down the field. Um, so, you know, it was like a perfect player for me to collect. And, you know, fortunately for me, uh, you know, it's an avenue I've kind of had to myself. And also it was a great education in late nineties football, you know, and I've gotten fortunate enough to meet a lot of guys on Instagram that have collected that for many years and really insightful on like how much stuff is out there in the Pacific world and the, mm in the, you know, in the score world, you know, uh, crown Royal, you know, revolution, all this stuff that, you know, I didn't even know existed. And now I have an excuse to collect that stuff. So. So the, uh, the collecting when no one is around is a fun area to be in because like that gold label card, you're just like, I'm sure if you saw it and it, it said like 350, $400, you'd still be like, this is probably too cheap. At least I would. Yeah, I was like checking, checking the label and stuff. I'm like, is this legitimate? Can't <laughs> be right. Registry, like, like eighty bucks for a one of one. I mean, honestly, you go online right now, it's like it's like it's like three hundred and fifty dollars for like a one of one of like you know, I don't know, Antoine Smith or yeah. guys that you just like pick out of a hat, you know. Um, so I was very excited by that. I've been in this area recently where it's like I feel like no one else is collecting it, so I'm. It's something that I get really passionate about, and it's cheap, and so I just like go, go, go. And then eventually it gets to the point where it's like, all right, I got to post these cards or I got to tell someone else I'm doing it. Cause I don't want to keep this to myself anymore. I want to like share, maybe like with Warren, like, did you feel that at all when you're collecting Warren moon? Like, were you like, I'm like, this is like a gym. No one else is around. I'm just doing this, but I want to share the stuff. Talk to me a little bit about that. I gotta say, I was talking to some, I forget who on, I was DMing someone on Instagram and I, I honestly, that revelation just came up like two weeks ago. <laughs> like I was like, you know what? Like, I don't, I don't think I've seen another Warren. There was one person who came on, but he was posting a lot of like post-playing career, like, like patch stuff and like auto mm. stuff, which is like not, not generally the avenue I pursue. And I was like really excited when I found him. it. I don't know. We never really communicated or anything. Uh, and I don't think he's posted a ton, but apologies if you have, but, um, was I say, yeah, I just kind of came to the revolution recently. I was like, oh, gosh, I kind of like I'm alone. I'm population one on Warren Moon Island. And that's OK. You know, that's fine. No, no doubt. Talk a little bit about just like I know you collect both in the past and in the present. So like, is there one you prefer? Like, what's the balance? Is it just like 
a seasonal thing that you're shifting back and forth. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I think outside of like that MVP set and stuff, I'm kind of laid up on vintage. I was grabbing some random vintage of just like some Knicks I liked and stuff like that. But, you know, it just didn't feel right. I think like, you know, like a, like a true uh, simpleton, the shiny stuff is just like so much better to me. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I even saw myself like leaning more into like, like those like retro fact factors, you know what I mean? Like I just bought last night, there was like a, I think 2001 Chrome did a, like a reissue of Warren Moon's rookie card. And mm. I'm like, this is as close as I probably want to get to his rookie card because, you know, some of the other ones I'm like, eh, you know, but with that said, I mean, I of course appreciate the vintage and, and, you know, the education that goes behind that, but there's something about collecting vintage too. It's like, um, I don't know a ton about it, but like, for instance, on my MVP thing, I'm trying to find an 87 Fleur Jordan. And I kind of settled on getting a PSA 8 because it's like 500 bucks. But then you look at the pop count, it's like 7,000 of them. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so I'm just like, I'm just going to lay up on this. I don't know who's, you know, I, you know, maybe people out there, you know, spend, you know, that much money on a card. Like there's that quantity of, and I know I appeal such a big part of it, but uh, I tend to veer, stay in the modern because I feel like I just have a better knowledge base of what I'm looking for in that world, you know? Sure. And speaking of modern, I, I you showed me a card before we hit record. And of course, I got to ask you about it because uh, whenever someone gives me a little piece of the rope, I'm going to pull. Really hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just a little bit. But uh, I know you're a wrestling fan. Uh, you uh, like to dabble here and there. Maybe talk a little bit about just like your connection with wrestling and how it fits into everything else. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's it's pure nostalgia. You know, I mean, I watched wrestling as a kid, you know, and I, I think I stopped probably around like WrestleMania 10. You know, I just I kind of remember the ladder match is like being the last day. I think it was like third or fourth grade. And then in high school, I picked it up again. <laughs> so it was like like two or three years there. I, I, was, I was very into wrestling. And honestly, like Monday nights was a thing where like my friends would we'd trade houses of who we'd go to and we could like stay out late, you know. So there was like that added excuse to it. But uh, I did really enjoy ECW back in the day, too. It was like only on the MSG network at like 3 a.m. Saturday. And, you know, I was, uh, I would go out late, you know, um, I was underage, so I wasn't doing anything bad, but, uh, you know, come home a little tipsy at night and watch, you know, ECW. And I have very fond memories of that and attending a few events in the Hammerstein ballroom, which was to this day, probably the most insane. Oh yeah. venue. I, you know, I recently like just on Instagram, it came up, I guess it was like one night stand or something like that, where like the WWE guys came back to ECW just like seeing people like hit Randy Orton in the horror. I'm like, like, that's like what it was like. I mean, it was like people just throwing things, cursing. Uh, one of the livest events I've ever been to. And then I entered college. I just kind of put it away and I never really thought about wrestling at all. I mean, every once in a while I check in and obviously I'd be bummed to hear like, you know, so many of them passed away, unfortunately. But, uh, you know, listening to your podcast and hearing other people talk about wrestling, some of the juices got into the collecting. I mean, I had the entire, when I went through all my old childhood, I mean, I don't even know why I was still opening packs of, is it 90 classic? Is that the set? Yeah, I've got unopened packs in my closet next to me. There is, I'm not kidding, like like two and a half row boxes of, I must've had to set like eight times over. I don't know why I was still opening those damn cards. Um, but uh, so, you know, part of that is like, it, like, it tickles me to like see wrestling, like modern wrestling. Do you know what I mean? And, you know, I'm kind of like dipping a toe in it. You know, I showed you, I, I got this prism, which is a set. I, I do enjoy prism, you know, like as, as whether that's an unpopular thought or not, but, you know, I got a Bret Hart, you know, mojo here, number to 25. And, you know, I'm kind of dipping a toe in it. I'm not sure if I want to go like full throttle yet or not. You know, I have like a binder page of our guy RVD also, and a couple of, a couple gold refractors of RVD, one of Chris Jericho, I bought off Drake, shout out to Drake. So, you know, I'm kind of like dipping the toe in it, but I know we talked about it too. It was like, you know, this one of one RVD came up 
And I was, and I know you're collecting Panini one. And I'm like, are you going after this? Cause I don't, I don't know if I need to be the guy that owns the one of one, <laughs> you know? So it, it's, it's fun to kind of dabble in it and kind of check in and, and see how things are going. You know, I've, I've tuned into a couple of the pay-per-views cause we have Peacock. So it's really entertaining. And uh, you know, it definitely like captures some of that nostalgia from when I was a young kid. So I checked that same search on the Panini one regularly. And you actually, when you sent me the RVD, I had not seen it yet. And I, it was like one of those things where I was like, oh, like and it was also at a time where it was like I had just bought, I don't know, a lot of cards. And I didn't. Yeah. Uh, but it was but it was uh, it was I, it was an auction. So I had some time. It's like, oh, I got seven days. Like, we'll see. But now I own that card because you shared it with me and appreciate that. Um, but on the ECW side. I would stay up. It was syndicated here in Indianapolis and it was on like public access at like two in the morning. So like my mom would like be like, are you like, what are you doing up? And I'd be like, I'm going to bed soon. But it was always, I was just like waiting for ECW to be over with. And I, after you watched it, you couldn't go to bed because there was, was so, so much Yeah, they, they cut like the best promos, man. There were like the ones where they used to do the Pulp Fiction music and like run for like 15 minutes. I swear it was like, <laughs> This art like this should be shown at film school. It's incredible. <laughs> it's yeah, so the fact the fact that uh, the, like the learning that like Joey Styles and Paul Heyman were like shooting those in like Paul Heyman's parents' basement is like makes it even more be- precious. <laughs> yeah, Joey Styles. I mean, ever I didn't realize he I, like I saw some highlights. He, he crossed over to WWE announcing for a while, and I'm like, that voice is just like you know like just reverberates so many fun memories of just being a viewer of it. You know. 100 percent well i asked you like uh i would wanted to know maybe a little bit of kind of some of your favorite cards in your pc it's a big question i know you've got a lot of cool stuff but maybe talk a little bit about just like some of the, some of the stuff you're you really enjoy yeah i mean you know i've really kind of been fixated on finishing this set i, I uh set out to do uh over a year ago which is that i really got into like making reels of cards i feel like you know cards in general think you know scans are awesome pictures are great but like when they're in hand and they're shining um that's kind of like that's where you're like wow this is you know a lot of times that's that that's an incredible card uh and your phone is kind of almost the size of a slab you know so there's that element to making the real so you know i don't remember how the juices got going with it but essentially i was like wouldn't it be cool if i could grab you know 98 pmgs you know which all have the new york city backgrounds and living here and i could you know collect all of them and then take a reel, you know, near the proximity of where the card takes place, right? So, um, you know, I, I set out on that hunt. I mean, I immediately looked at basketball prices and I said, peace out. Not yeah. <laughs> no, thanks. <laughs> um, you know, and then I immediately saw the price of the Derek Jeter PMG and I said, peace out. No, thanks. <laughs> I'm going to take a pass. Unless someone out there wants to sell it at 5% comp, I'm your guy. Just let me know. But uh, so I started to kind of gather them and then collect them. And then I head out and uh, get the real. So some of those cards like hold some significance to me because, you know, it's 1998. You know, I was 15 years old. You know, it's like the names. You kind of needed to be a sports fanatic or a local to kind of remember Chris Calloway <laughs> or like Charles Way or like these guys that like probably don't resonate much with, you know, unless you were a f- big fan of sports or locally and then you know some of those cards in that set they, they do mean a lot to me you know additionally um some of the uh i have like a few bernie williams cards like bernie was one of my favorite players growing up i kind of always liked like never like the best player or the most popular player i always like like the second or third you know um and bernie to me was just like a player that i just immediately like i associated with 
like so much of just like the way he played the game. He always did it right. He was never me, 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 never spoke. You know, he's a he's Puerto Rican, which my mom is Puerto Rican. Uh, the town he's from is very close to where my family's origins are from. Um, he's like a classical guitar player. Um, so I own a few, like a, a one of one of him, a flair showcase row zero one of one that someone was nice enough to meet up with me and sell it to me at a, at a fair price. Um, and that was really one of the, the big cards of the Bernie PC that I hold very dear. And when I close out that transaction, the guy said to me, he was like, he's like, I'm glad I'm giving, I'm, I'm selling this to a collector. And it was the first time I ever really was like, oh gosh, I, I guess, you know, that that's what I, I never really kind of thought about that. The narrative that, that you know, we talk about so much on social media, it wasn't that present to me. And it meant a lot when he said that. It's a, you know, it's a card I hold near and dear. How many total Giants PMGs from 98 are there and how many do you have? So there's 19 giant, 19 between Giants, Jets, Yankees, and Mets that show the New York City background. Uh, I am up to, I'm missing five, and one of them's Jeter. So again, I'm missing four. <laughs> um, so I think the last public sale for the Jeter was like 40 grand or something like that. So uh, I'm good. I'm going to pass on that one. I'll just settle for a base, uh, Derek Jeter, or you know, I'll start digging into a garbage can and hope it's there somewhere in someone's old uh PC, but um, yeah, so I only have uh four left and I've I've fat located owners of them, you know, the ones I've spoken to don't want to sell, which I totally respect, you know what I mean? And I don't want to be too much of a nag ever, but I know I've missed out on these cards in the past because I wasn't too much of a nag. So, you know, you got to walk, walk that line, definitely. You do have to walk that line. Maybe we close out. Uh, I'm a came back during the pandemic. I think a lot of people are people that listen to the show came back and started collecting during the pandemic. Maybe like in in your journey since you've been back, like what do you think is the most important thing that you've learned that you would just share out with the rest of the community as uh, some sage advice? Absolutely, I think I think one of the most important things is you take your time. You know, <laughs> like like if, if especially if you're getting into this new, like take your time. Don't like ra- irrationally make a large purchase. You know what I mean? Like that that's probably the worst thing to do. And you know, lean in people for help. You know, I was just. Uh, you know, you find a friend or friends in the community that give you advice. You know what I mean? I've become very close with uh, Val and NC, Justin, who's like a great collector and someone who like I lean on a lot for information and also for his advice. And he's very honest. He'd be like, don't do that or spend the extra hundred dollars. You know what I mean? Do that sort of thing. And if I could tell a quick story about Justin, actually. Yeah. I think it's like great. It's like this is a good hobby karma. But, um, you know, I've been with this PMG search. I've been like really <laughs> down these freaking things. And, and the prices of them in the last like month or two have just gone through the roof, you know, almost like it's like startling how like commons are suddenly selling for like seven, eight times what they were selling before. So I, about three weeks ago, I was having a conversation with them about how I'm never going to find these, these last five I needed. And that, um, you know, whenever they went to auction, I was going to have a very tough time, you know, putting down the bid to get the card. Cause I had a feeling that the ones I'm looking for might be ones that other people are looking for. And we even had conversations like price, like, what do you think you're going to need? I'm like, I don't know, X amount of dollars, whatever. Uh, a few days later, uh, we got a call from the uh, the school nurse at my son's elementary school. He's seven years old, and he had just rebroken his arm in class, which was gut wrenching. Uh, I was working from home. My wife was working from home, and we were just like, jaws to the floor. He broke his arm in December. He had his cast off for three weeks, and then he rebroke it during circle time. Someone fell like right on the same exact spot. So you know, we were just like, I mean, just jaws on the ground. I was having you know, a terrible day. Uh, and he was like, 
surprisingly a trooper. Like, I'm fine. It doesn't hurt that bad. I could be, I could run with my left hand again uh, and be, what's it called, dad? I'm like, ambidextrous. Like, yeah, ambidextrous. <laughs> so obviously, just needless to say, I'm off my phone for hours. And, you know, I, every time I pick up my phone, I always, now that you can pin your eBay searches, I'm always like searching, you know, hoping one of these things pop up. You know, obviously for a few hours, very preoccupied. And, you know, he was a trooper and he's fine now. Um, actually, I keep forgetting he has a cast on. So it's like, it's like, it's so incredible how kids are. But um, for those few hours, I was offline. And finally, you know, he settled in. We're waiting to get a cast on and he's, you know, thumbing through his iPad and my wife's on her phone. So I opened up Instagram and I have like 20 messages. It's like, alert, alert, you know, like, you got to get into this. And I just like, I kind of blacked out at this point. I don't really remember <laughs> the, the order. I think I went on eBay and it was gone. And then I went back on Instagram, like, oh, I missed it. But, you know, I mean, this is the way it's going to be. You know, it's fine. You know, obviously, the bigger fish to fry. And Justin has sent me a screen grab that was like, congratulations on your purchase of a 1998 precious metal gem. <laughs> and so uh, Justin overnighted it. We had a USPS fiasco the last, like, 24 hours. I tracked this thing down. Uh, but it's here. And it is a uh, 1998 precious metal gem, David Cohn, with the Twin Towers in the background. Oh, wow. Uh, so a super important card. It's a super desirable one. It, it's really the one that features the Twin Towers and the baseball set. I can't tell you how much it means to own this card. Uh, David Cohn someone who, like, my fandom with the Yankees is really, really tied with David Cohn's tra- the transaction when they got him. I can remember the day they traded for him. We were in the corner of a house that we were, a beach house. We had one summer vacation we always take was to Cape Cod. And we were in a corner listening to WFAN. And midnight was the trade deadline, always. So. Uh, I remember when they traded for David Cohn, I was there with my dad, we like high-fiving. It was awesome. He came in 95. He was a bulldog. I mean, he pitched like so well down the stretch. Um, the last game of the season when they lost to the Mariners, which is like a famous game where Griffey slid into home, he threw 147 pitches. Uh, it was so many pitches the next season. He came in, he had an aneurysm in his elbow, almost missed the entire next season. So, you know, there's that element to this card that I just love. And then obviously the Twin Towers in my background, if I lean out the window here, Every morning, every night, I could see the world trade. And it's just a great reminder of just how precious life is and, you know, how mm-hmm. fortunate you are, you know, with have your health and, and your family and all that sort of stuff. So this card uh, being in my PC means more than just the set chase. It, it represents a lot to me and super happy to own it. And a public thank you to Justin Vol and NC for coming through and knowing it was like smash bin, <laughs> just do it, you know. And so he took care of me. I really appreciate it. What an incredible story to end on. I love everything about it. And we're just going to let that one sit in the air because there's, that's what it's all about. I had a blast learning about your collecting and you definitely sharing that story at the end. You can find him at modest card collection. Danny appreciate the time, man. This was fun. It was awesome, man. It's great to talk cards and it's great to talk with you and uh, hopefully we'll do it again soon. Yep. Take care. Take care, bud. I had been chatting with Danny for a long time and We chat enough. We share some common interests. I appreciate your collection. You typically end up on the show. I love that conversation. Hopefully you gain an insight or two. Enjoy the freaking weekend. Let's freaking go. Enjoy. Be well. And we'll talk to you soon.